greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church, and we're located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And typically, this podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week, uh, offering some ideas and resources that will help in your particular context. My name is Cynthia Wilson. Uh, I am the worship executive and director of liturgical resources. And I am thrilled today that our episode will be uh, a conversation with Dr. Sophia Fasua, who currently serves as associate professor of congregational ministry and spiritual formation at Wesley Seminary in Marion, Indiana. Dr. Fasua has served as a denominational executive for the United Methodist Church, as a missionary in Ghana, West Africa, as a pastor in a variety of local church contexts, and as a professor in several colleges and universities. Dr. Fasua's research interests include the use of the Psalms in public worship, and the contextualization of ritual liturgical resources for use in Christian worship. She is exceptionally gifted in the areas of writing and editing, and those particular gifts have afforded her the opportunity to serve as associate editor for the four-volume Africana Worship Book Series. Currently, Dr. Fasua is one of the editors for the forthcoming Native Voices 2, Uh, which was born originally in 2019. Uh, And we can look for this new resource rather soon. It's a worship resource for Native American Christian communities. And we're so excited about that. Her scholarly and creative uh, contributions may also be found in the Women of Color Study Bible by Zandervan, Preaching God's Transforming Justice, a lectionary commentary for years A, B, and C, Black United Methodist Preach, the Abington Creative Preaching Annual, the Abington Worship Annuals, Reflect, Reclaim, Rejoice, Preserving the Gift of Black Sacred Music, the Wellsprings Journal in 2017 for the Upper Room Disciplines, and in various curricular or Bible study offerings of the United Methodist Publishing House. My goodness, I'm already tired thinking about all of what you have done, and we are so grateful. She's married to Reverend Dr. Kwesi Kina, and they are the proud parents of two adult children and two amazingly wonderful grandchildren. Welcome to Worship Matters, Dr. Fosia. We we are delighted that you've come to share this time with us today. Uh, and we are, we are just anxious to hear about a project that you and others began birthing some years ago, which is entitled Africana to Be. And some of you who are in our listening audience today might recognize this title. Uh, Doc, would you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for Africana to Project? of the Africana Project. First of all, thank you for just such a a lovely introduction. I got kind of tired listening to it. It's delightful to be here. It's delightful to be in in what I consider one of my um, 
homes mm -hmm. in ministry, which is discipleship resources. It was general board of discipleship when I was there and it's gone back to DR here recently. Mm -hmm. But uh, the work there uh, has been one of the high points of a ministry career. I'm about to retire. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be retiring uh, next month from Wesley Seminary in Marion, Indiana, where I'm teaching online currently, just finished up a, a class in worship. And um, looking forward to the horizons that God has for me. And this is one of the projects that, that I felt was worth not being retired for. Uh-huh. Yes. Because it's, it's, a, it's a project with very, very long roots. Mm -hmm. The Africana uh, project actually began even before the Africana Worship Series hmm. with another project that Taylor Burton Edwards and I did when he was on board uh, at, at the uh, General Board of Discipleship, now Discipleship Ministries. Right. It was called the Open Source Liturgy Project. Right, I remember and, that. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the idea behind that project was that one size does not fit all when it comes to liturgical resources. Okay. That people need to say what they need to say to God in the language, the vernacular of the people so that all can, can say amen, that everyone can be understood, and so that they can know that God is hearing my particular complaint or, or praise on this particular day. Yes. And that one size doesn't fit all because often it's languaging issues, often it's formatting issues. It, there's a lot of other reasons. Mm -hmm. So the Open Source Project was a beginning with that. We worked with 39 unique communities. Mm -hmm. We're talking uh, people who are linguistically unique, mm -hmm. people who are culturally unique, mm -hmm. and people who in their social location are, are unique, like prison populations or campuses or other places. And so this was a natural outpouring of that conversation going on. It began downstairs in the um, learning center oh. <laughs> in one of those rooms down there with a group of about 22 people. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking it was 2006 okay. that we met and um, we asked the basic question, do the present resources of the church fit the needs of the Africana community? Okay. And at the time we asked the question, African-American. Right. And since then, we have learned to expand that by the use of the word Africana, which covers all people of the diaspora. Right. Especially those residing in North America. We've kind of adopted it as our term, but although I know they use it in other continents and other parts of the world. And so we got this resounding roar, no. <laughs> and uh, from that, Dr. Valerie Bridgman, who is now the dean at Mefesco, right. uh, gave us all pen and paper and sent us off to different writing corners. And, you know, she is a writer as well. Yes. And a performance poet and all of that and uh we came back uh to the table together with resources that are still beloved of the church mm -hmm. and in that group was a, a couple uh, uh there were a couple of younger writers i'll say more about that as we talk about the africana uh two okay. which we didn't know whether to use roman numeral two right. or t-o-o -O or whatever <laughs> and b is just the designation for the lectionary year right but uh from that project we began to discover that, first of all, the voices of Africana are not monolithic. Right. We are wide and diverse and we're socially located in all these different places. And we come with differing experiences, northern versus southern versus whatever hemisphere you came from mm -hmm. and all of that. So those voices began to emerge. We published four volumes. They got old. They, they're 10 yeah. years old now. You know, I so can't believe it's been 10 years. Oh, my it, goodness. It, it really seems 
seems amazing to me that that was so long ago. It feels like yesterday. Yes. For that project, there were 32 different writers, male and female, across the age spectrum, across the, uh, the, the, the occupational spectrum, not all clergy, not all laity, but, but people from every walk of life were involved in there. And we had uh, one writer from South Africa, one writer from... I think Jamaica, one from Trinidad, mm -hmm. you know, so, so we, we broadened into the Africana sphere. Got it. Well, the Africana project um, really was fairly successful. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there are about 25,000 volumes out there circulating among the church folks right now. Wow. <laughs> we, we had the first print run was uh, 7,000. I think it went to 10,000 for the subsequent runs. And there are, I understand, maybe a few books in your warehouse now. Yeah. But there are over 25,000 volumes out there circulating in one church or another, mm. plus the things that they downloaded from the web. Mm -hmm. So uh, this project also caused us to have questions about the music of the black church okay and so the africana worship study was to study the music of the church okay and that was a project that that uh was sat in my desk mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that i was the, the staff person responsible for that and the conclusions of that project were that there yes indeed there are unique and distinct musical needs as well mm -hmm. for africana communities worshiping within the united methodist church and from that right about that time i got this call from wesley seminary in marion indiana ah. saying we need you on staff here we need a worship professor here mm -hmm. and uh dr cheryl walker mm -hmm. was the staff person who had been on the africana study she'd been a key member mm -hmm. of that study she continued here at the board mm -hmm. so she carried the ball with the next stage of the study which was the digital hymnal. Ah. Now, we know that that's forward-leaning because just about every hymnal that comes out from now on will probably be digital. That's right. But they collected 150 songs, uh, beloved songs, songs that they didn't want to lose. They uh, documented worship practices and did some other things, which is the Reclaim Rejoice book that mm. you, know, you, you mentioned there. And um, then after that began to settle, the people came back to Cheryl Mm -hmm. And they said, we need a continuation of the worship resources. We've used these again and again, and we need something new and fresh. Mm -hmm. And so Dr. Walker decided new and fresh meant millennials. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, yes, indeed. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> new and fresh meant millennials. Uh -huh. And so she uh, wrote me and telephoned me. I was in Indiana by the time, had been there for a couple of years mm -hmm. by then. Mm -hmm. And she said, would you... Um, lead the writing workshops as you've done before mm -hmm. and had envisioned, you know, a, a, another one like the other one. Now, right. We'll talk more about how we might have to change. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was delighted because that work did not die within me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. It did not die within me. So I feel that that uh, we are a perfect match because I was in the birthing room when the first three, four babies came. You know? And now looking forward to uh, working with millennials. Mm -hmm. The millennials who have written for this project auditioned. And ah, that was one of the differences. Wow. The first kind of project was a y'all come. Okay. And we uh, we we heard the voices of many people who who we didn't know about who presented themselves to us. This one, the call was sent out across social network channels and so forth for young people to audition for the next volumes. Okay. And out of that auditioning, I think there were twenty some odd folks that uh, submitted, and then 
the final ones who committed to a project. And that was the, that was the big deal. Okay. Being able to commit to the project are these 13 writers that are writing for right. Africana 2. Okay. And uh, they are, uh, at, at the time when we did this project uh, workshop three years ago, they were millennials. Several of them still are. But they are also our younger leaders in the church. Brilliant <laughs> leaders and brilliant voices and uh, very self-declared as writers. And I think that's one of the differences <clears throat> Excuse me, between this project and the other one. The other writers embraced writing and, 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 and they were excelling okay. in writing. And they were excellent, bright, shining stars. Okay. But these people came to us and said, we're coming because we're writers. And uh, I think it's a different posture. Yes, altogether. yes. And so the primary goal for the project? The primary goal is to resource the church with voices that are not always heard. Okay. And uh, so this is not an ethnic project. Mm -hmm. This is not a generational project. Mm -hmm. This is if your voice resonates with this voice, mm -hmm. we are offering you something for use in Sunday worship or in, in weekly worship of any configuration. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so um, what were your hopes for the young people who would actually participate in this project at the time? What were your hopes? At the time, uh, as I said, they, they came to us self-declared writers. Okay. A couple of them were published already, but oh. the majority of them were not published. Okay. And I have seen myself over the years in working with, with this community, in working with the Native American community, with, in working with other communities as a, 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 a writer's midwife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Helping people find venue for good voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my hope for them was to, first of all, uh, give them a space to say mm -hmm. what's rattling around on the inside of them good and needed for the church and needed for the for the good of all I, I wanted them to have a place and a space and a venue to to be who they were in writing mm -hmm. and um we are products my husband and i uh, dr kwesi Kana and i are both products of some writing workshops that the upper room hosted back in the early 90s it might have been late 80s or early 90s mm -hmm. they went into the black community particularly, mm -hmm. and said, we want to be sure that we are providing space for black writers. Okay. And so I see myself as paying it forward, ah, you know, in a sense, yes. that we, we would uh, offer a place for writers to, to, to flap their wings, to test their skills, to, to, to try out new things, a safe place, a place, uh, and, and not to have it in a closet somewhere. Because they have voices that the church needs, and they are profound. I am so proud of these thirteen writers. Mm. They are absolutely profound. They're deep. They're in touch with God and in touch. They, they, they read Wesley, the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand. They are very socially conscious. Right. They're relevant. They're deep. They're spiritual. Uh, some of them are, are playful in a, a few of their pieces that make you just want to laugh and, 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 and smile and dance. And, you know, so I'm excited about these writers. I have great hopes for them. They are not our future. They're our present. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with you there. 
And what you're describing, the, all of all of the uh, adjectives that, that you use to describe them sounds like um, a description of the young person that we need today in the church. Um, I'm, I think I'm very concerned about uh, the eerie silence uh, of the church in the midst of all that is going on. But I don't think these, these young people are not scared. They're not... No. They're not reticent about expressing what needs to be said. Uh, as Paul would say, what shall we say of these things? You know. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, you, you have me excited now about the past. So, so now this project began some years ago, right? Is that correct? Yes. yes. Um, so, so we kind of moved away from the project and now we're coming back to this project. We're, Thanks, we're, me to go. <laughs> so we're breathing some new life yes. into this project, which means that it may not look exactly like what you had in mind initially. No, um, no, no. So can you say it more about the that? The world has changed. Okay. While we slept, the world changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. While we quarantined, <laughs> the world is changing. Right. And, and uh, the pieces that are in there are solid and will transcend time. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the, the issues that they were writing about, the, the, the matters of the heart that concerned them that poured out in some of those pieces are still relevant today. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they were coming to us at the, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, okay. Um, and, and we've just had two, two, three killings again. Yes. You know, so the community is still grieving. Yes. We're still trying to make sense out of nonsense. Yes. And those pieces are still relevant. The pieces that are are, are, are generational uh, outcries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, looking at that volume, I know what they're concerned about. Okay. Because mm-hmm. they poured it out to God. Mm-hmm. They told Jesus all about it. Yes. And they told us to get with it, you know, okay. as well. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a, you know, lament. It was lament in action. Okay. And, and this is a group, the, the, the millennial group that we have right now. Um, let, me, let me just first say, I almost hesitate to use the term millennial, except that it's so familiar to yes. everyone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Douglas Poe, uh, I don't know if you're familiar yes, with this book. Yes, very, much, very much so, yes. Uh-huh. He gives us a construct for looking at the black communities, uh, 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 in, in, first of all, in, in the United States, but black communities in general and Africana communities, that uh, there are, are different stages beside Boomer and, and mm-hmm. Gen X and, and mm-hmm. all of that. We're talking about uh, civil rights movement people, mm-hmm. black consciousness people, mm. integrationist people, mm. and, and they would have been born kind of on the tail end of that and going into hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hip-hop, not as a music style, right. but as a lifestyle. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing, the strange thing about hip-hop, hip-hop was, was the child of the Black community born outside of church. That's right. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Much like the, much like, would you say much like the griot functioned yeah, in yeah. Africa? Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they were they, they were seers and sayers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we didn't like the way we, they said it. Right. Right. They were seers and sayers. Okay. And that's the, that's the, the most basic definition of prophet is a seer and a sayer. Okay. Okay. And I wonder, had we allowed them to say it in church, would they have not been put out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
these young people are from hip hop nation. That's right. And hip hop nation transcends racial boundaries. That's that is so true. That is so real. As I have traveled, part of hip hop nation that people often don't get. Right. Is that there are people of 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 Asian descent, people Hispanic, yes. people in, 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 on the African continent, right. uh, Europe, Anglo children, yes. you know, hip-hop <laughs> nation, are, it's a like-minded set. Yes. And yes. it's not going away. That's correct. That's correct. We thought it was a fad, oh, they'll pull up their pants and get on with it, you know. No, 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 Mm-mm. no. Hip-hop nation is it's, a mindset. It's here to stay. It's an egalitarian mindset. Right. They're just like, I, I, I consider myself in theology, I'm a womanist. Right, right. And and if you talk about race, and if you talk about sexism, and you talk about issues of economic or, or poverty, mm-hmm. those are on the hip-hop agenda. Right. As, as topics for consideration and topics for... Uh, uh, concern in the community absolutely and so as children of hip-hop nation that came out mm-hmm. very much in their writing mm-hmm. we're not talking about the cadence of hip-hop or the language of hip-hop we're saying the concerns of hip-hop okay. came out in their writing yes and each each person has has her own his own persona right in writing. Right. they are so beloved and uh. delightful they have their own persona in writing and their own way of approaching and saying things right and doing things yes and uh in so doing um they they represent the diversity of young people across this land right i still traveled you know as, mm-hmm. as a professor and you know you do conferences mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever and 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 i meet these personality types right right all of, and they're so representative of it and and so diverse and so effervescent in it right. and and paired with that a deep unshakable christian faith amen that makes boomers ashamed wow yeah. <laughs> wow yeah that's good <laughs> that's good doc that's really <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Discipleship Ministries is definitely committed to the completion of this project. Praise God. And and I'm so excited that you are um, agreeing to remain at the helm uh, so that we can move this project to where God intends for it to be. And my sense is that even though uh, the front cover will be intact. Uh, I'm hoping that there will not be a back cover. Um, I, I hope so too. But that it will be um, a continuation, not only for posterity, but so that we can continue to create this safe space yes. for these prophetic voices that we're desperately in need of today. Desperately. Uh, because I'm not really sure what where the church is. I, I just can't hear nobody pray. Can't hear nobody pray. I can't hear nobody <laughs> pray. <laughs> and so I, I think um, you can be assured that Discipleship Ministries will be uh, cheering on the uh, completion of this project. Um, we we are excited to add to um, the, the the development of this project to other voices, um, Reverend um, Dr. Jacqueline King, who yes. is a part of our staff, who will be assisting. And um, 
who who has a real heart for this project. And then uh, Natalie Nelson Parker, who is, um, I, I think she would consider herself to be a millennial. But, Probably, I think so. And, and who, who, who will be our guest, as a matter of fact, next week. Um, but I think she will add to uh, what we have said today in terms of how these other voices will continue uh, to um, speak truth to power uh, along the way and with, with some sense of commitment to justice. Yes. And truth, yes, yes. yes. Uh, I, I'm thinking about, you know, you're, you're talking about no back cover, and I'm, 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 I'm there with you mm-hmm. on that because um, we were in the midst of some writing when Katrina happened. Okay, right, right. And we were able at the board at that time to receive the submissions of dozens of writers uh-huh. who helped us pray through. Mm-hmm. And we need someone as we are exiting this COVID crisis. We're not, I don't know if we're even in the middle of it. Right. You know, it's a timeless, liminal type of a thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. Someone to help us pray through. Yes. Yes. And what would be more ideal than developing not only in these millennial writers, mm-hmm. but in others who will hear their clarion call? Mm-hmm. A, 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 a group of, mm-hmm. of writers mm-hmm. who will begin to help us interpret the times and interpret our feelings. Certainly. Yes, absolutely. Interpret the times, interpret our feelings, and, and plot a way forward. We, we're going to need every prayer. Yes. yes. And every prayer. Yes. <laughs> and um, we, we, we did a little uh, uh, post, a uh, little, little, uh, subscription superscription in the in one of the volumes that said when you can't pray Mm -hmm. and when your tongue is cloven to the top of your your mouth yes yes like you've got oatmeal stuck up there yes may these borrowed prayers suffice until your own come oh that's powerful i see the ministry of the writer in church right as the one who will loan you a prayer (laughs) when you don't have one of your own. Yes, yes. And there are so many people who have been stunned into mute silence Mm. by this epidemic. Yes. We haven't had one in a hundred years. Right. Most of us weren't here for the last one. Right, yes. And I need to, let me, let me, let me go down home, down south. I need to borrow you a prayer. Come on, come on, come on now, come on now. This group of writers is just the tip of the iceberg. iceberg yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Some of us have forgotten how to pray. Some never knew. Right. That's right. Because it was all something else going on That's where right. they were. That's right. That's right. Some just got here and said, "Will you teach me?" Mm. Mm. And and I see these young people as the as the ones who will beat the drum. Sure. Sure. And lead the parade. Sure. And surely others will be coming. Yes, yes. Of multiple generations. Yes, yes. To help us interpret and pray through the times. Yes. That's my goal. What a goal. What yeah. a novel goal. Listen, I, as you as you speak, 
I cannot help but think about um, the holler and the hum uh, during slavery and uh, how it was that even, you know, the our ancestors would say that um, the spirit will not descend without a, a song. And um, and I, I, I know that you've already spoken to uh, the ways in which hip hop is um, actually calling down the spirit in a very different way, but it is that same principle. Um, one song says that way down yonder by myself and I couldn't hear nobody pray. But all along the way, our ancestors knew how to moan and how to groan. And they would say that the devil don't know what you're talking about when you moan and when you groan. And so sometimes I'm so grateful for the ability to continue to moan and to, you know how our grandmamas would just sit and rock and moan. <laughs> and these young people uh, in their uh, attempts to say what is way down in their bellies, you know, the, you'll hear folks say, well, I don't understand what they're saying. And my response to that is, but they're not talking to you. <laughs> you, you, you know, you brought, you brought up another point here. I have been tracking some of the, um, reports that are coming out scientifically and all that. Okay. And some churches are even wondering, will they be able to sing mm. when we come back together? Because singing creates this cloud of That's whatever, right. whatever. And you heard about the Presbyterian church in, in, in Texas where the choir rehearsal infected, you know, yes. like two thirds of the group. Yes. And so, um, but they are spoken word. Yes. They do spoken word. Like I, like I fall out the bed in the morning. That's you know? right. And, and it could be that this might be one of the new art forms, That's one right. of the new forms in worship arts. That's correct. That will carry us forward. Yes, yes. As we are, are we're, ha we're having to re-envision yeah. everything that goes on in church that, right now. That is correct. And I think that this is uh, what, what uh, Asians called, um, or, or I think it's, the, no, it's the Jap Japanese. They say Weiji which is a dangerous opportunity. I oh, think we're yes. at oh, yes. we're at a dangerous opportunity now that everything that was nailed down now uh, has been taken up. It's been uprooted. And so they can't expect, although some will, will wander uh, back thinking, oh, okay, finally we're back, but they will not find the the benches nailed down. They will they they can't find the pews in in one stationary uh, no. configuration no. because of our need to still be so far from each other. And yet right. what, what is it that will bring us uh, to soul to soul in worship for this next dispensation? It really will not be where we sit or how we sit and how we, it will really be what it is that we uh, are pulling up out of our bellies as a result of having been away from each other. Now what, right? Now what? Now what? And it will not come back by shallow speech. Amen. Amen. And thank God for that. Thank God yes. for that. <laughs> we were so tired of shallow oh, speech. Oh, my word. <laughs> I teach preaching and, you know, <laughs> shallow speech, oh my. <laughs> and that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, I also think that um, um, contextual yes. resources yes. written by people in their own church. Mm -hmm. uh, I teach my worship students to write their own creeds even. Yes. That contextual resources have the ability to uh, do something in the area of authenticity. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's on the hip hop radar. Mm-hmm. I think that's on the millennial radar. So for whether we call them millennials or hip hop, right. authenticity, shared leadership, authentic Christianity right. and worship that, that is done with your hands and your feet, yes. not just with your head. Right. Right. Is, is, is where, uh, I think that's where the church is heading. The trending is looking that way. And they're just so, so, so firmly in the stream of the way the church is trending right now. Right. That is that, uh, it, it gives me great pleasure and excitement. Amen. Well, I, I sense that this incarnational project will be a major part of this uh, new thing that God is doing in yes. our midst. Uh, we, we will embody, we will be a part of, we will become the body of Christ in a way that we never have seen in this day and time. And so I'm just so excited. I'm so thrilled that you had some time to come and, and uh, hang out with us today. And uh, the path to completion is the path that you are now trotting. And uh, we are so, again, so excited that you are at the helm, uh, prepared to lead these young people, those voices that we already have, and then to invite other voices to join them. And you are the one, Esther, uh, for such a time (laughs) as this, you are the one, and uh, we shall not look for another. And so we look forward to the journey. We look forward Uh, to being able to celebrate this new worship resource. Um, One of the first that will come from exclusively from the voices of our young people of this next generation. We so appreciate you uh, with our whole hearts we do. And and we ask um, God to continue to bless you as you prepare to transition from retirement. I'm so jealous. <laughs> it will surely come. <laughs> well, well, again, thank you. And we, um, we want to say to our listeners today that uh, we hope you will continue uh, to look into uh, the, the United Methodist Discipleship Ministries website, which is umcdiscipleship.org. Uh, continue to check in with us. Uh, we will keep you posted as to the development of this piece, along with so many others. Uh, you can find out more information at the website. Again, that's umcdiscipleship.org. We hope that this conversation has been helpful to you. And until next time, know that we will be praying with and for you and your congregation. And we hope that you will continue to be safe May God bless your worship ministry as you all make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.